this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. It's a great uh, pleasure and privilege for me to introduce uh, Brad Adelston. Uh, he is an expert in uh, all things digital and uh, ministers into that area very powerfully. Um, you know, there are a lot of challenges and um, uh, temptations that come with uh, the digital world that we live in. And I think often we don't always know how to handle it that well. And one, one thing that I really want to encourage you, and that also came out very powerfully last night when Brad was ministering to us as men, is that we as parents really need to equip ourselves and learn about what's going on. Uh, I mean, I was saying to, 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 to Brad afterwards, he mentioned a few things uh, that are going on on the Internet that I, didn't even, that I wasn't even aware of and that were, that were quite shocking to me, you know. And, uh, you know, shocking as it may be, we as parents need to know about these things. We need to know how to handle it. We need to know how to handle technology because that's the world that we live in. You know, our, our kids... Uh, are the first generation growing up who have never not known the internet. You know, it's, it's there. They're digital natives. This is the world they live in. And we need to help them to live in it um, well and for God's glory. And, and uh, Brad really blessed us last night and he's going to be sharing again um, this evening. And um, I'm sure you'll only be able to share sort of the tip of the iceberg in terms of the research that he's doing with, with UNISA and, 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 and so on. Uh, so his books are also available in the foyer. Beth, his, his beautiful wife, Beth, will, will help you if you need some of his books or, or DVDs and stuff. Um, and, and in that, he'll, there's a lot more information. So, so if you like what you're hearing now and you, and you realize you need this information, please go and uh, buy some of the books and, 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 and DVDs and stuff. Thanks, Brad. Please open up your hearts for Brad. Morning, everybody. I just hugged his navel. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, so that's what you look like. I'm so short. Uh, my feet showed up on my passport photo. <laughs> It is so good to be with you. Your pastor is just awesome, and he is. He oozes with the love of God, does he not? Let's give him a big clap and honor him this morning. Well, I'm going to get around to uh, talking to you about intimacy with God, and it may seem a bit strange given that I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> let me tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I went off to university and I came out with two degrees. Uh, I have a computer scientist and I have a Bible degree. So on my graduation day, I went through with the nerds and then I had to break line and go through with the holy people. <laughs> and so I'm a nerdy preacher and that's how all this got started. So I, but I'm most passionate about God. And really the premise of what I do, it did not start off uh, with UNISA. It didn't start off with the other research that I ended up doing. It started off... Uh, about nine years ago because I realized that these children were coming to church with their little hands raised, but then we would see them on MySpace with their clothes off. And so there was a problem. 
and I was asked to help with that. And so that began a journey of trying to help sort out what was stealing the affections and the intimacies of our our children and our youth. Then they grew up, and now we have what are called millennials, which are most of you. And if you have children, they're Generation Z, so you're equally addicted to technology, statistically speaking. So we have this problem where the intimacies that God has designed for us to have for Him has now been put on those. And that's intimacy, just not with God. So that's what I'm about. Before we get into all of that, let me tell you a little bit about where we're from. We obviously are American, and I will be honest with you to tell you that a lot of Americans don't know that there are other countries in the world. (laughs) But I'm aware that you're here. Nice to see you too. But we come from the state of Virginia, and it's a southern state. In fact, during our Civil War in the uh, 1800s, we have this north-south thing happening. And up here are evil people called Yankees. And down here, sanctified people. Anyway, that's all the history you really need to know about all that. But we come from this place called the Shenandoah Valley, and uh, we live next to West Virginia, uh, which is this state here. We used to be one state, and then... Uh, during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln, in response to the South and to punish the South, he divided the Virginia uh, into and gave West Virginia to the Yankees, and then we're still the southern state. So a little bit of our history. So a lot of people come to Virginia to study history because it was also the first British settlement. And then uh, that we had a war with them, and we basically shot them and made them leave. And uh, we, every Fourth of July, we celebrate this whole thing of our independence from Britain. And so Virginia has produced more presidents than any other, and so it's a very historical place that people come to study uh, the American history. And a lot of our uh, founding fathers who authored our Constitution, etc., are from there. So the Shenandoah Valley is a very beautiful rural place. To give You wouldn't have heard of the place I'm from. It's a little town called Stewart's Draft. Um, but we live about two and a half hours southwest of Washington, D.C. Beth uh, is... With me, she doesn't always travel with me, but on these long trips. We're on a six-month global tour, so we'll be away six months. And that's pretty common for us. But uh, for years, she was our worship leader at our home church back in the States. But this is our backyard. So we are... uh, Now, this is Africa, so I'm not going to brag about our wildlife, okay? But the only thing that we have that you don't are bears. And so people ask me, are they violent? Well... No, not normally, but they, are, they do occasionally carry off children, but only the bad ones. <laughs> and so we tell the kids that. The bears are going to carry you off, you little heathen. So anyway, so we're Hill Williams, high-class hillbillies we are. We come from hillbilly country. Have you ever seen that Discovery Channel show called um, Moonshiners? That's where I'm from. And my relatives, some of them look like that. Uh, Beth is my cousin. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I used to say it and then move on, and then somebody would eventually come up to me and go, is she really your cousin? No, my my relatives are not that attractive. (laughs) So what I want to do is play for you an emergency call that came in in Hillbilly Country. Now, in America, when we have an emergency, we dial 911. We spend part of our year in Australia, and we dial triple zero there. And here in South Africa, it's one zero triple one. But this is what happens when an emergency call comes in in hillbilly country. 911, what's your emergency? 
Yeah, uh, my wife got attacked by a warthog real bad, and I need someone to come up with an ambulance and pick her up. Okay, sir. Uh, can you give me your address? Uh, yeah, we're at 1825 Eucalyptus Drive. Okay, could you spell that for me, sir? Uh, I, I'm going to drag her on over to Oak Street, and you can pick her up there. Y'all come visit. We will entertain you. Well, I have a media background. Uh, I worked for ABC in America, the American Broadcasting Corporation, and I worked in a lot of radio and freelance for home team sports and briefly for ESPN. And so I come from a media background, and then the web comes along, and we started to repurpose our content, obviously, for the web. So I'm into media this happens to be Vision Radio. I'm on about 620 stations across Australia. I'm on in America. And here in South Africa, I've been very privileged to be part of Carte Blanche. Um, he's a very tall man, Derek. Is. I'm standing on a step, and he's still taller than me. Uh, but very honored at the, the doors that God has opened to get the word out with what uh, I'm about and what uh, the research that I'm doing with others. And so uh, we just love you guys. And the favor that's on this nation. If I were to do in the public schools in America and Australia what I do in the public schools here, I would be hauled into court. And um, so while you have the same problems as anywhere else in the world, you, you still love Jesus in the schools. And I'm, I'm able to pray with these children and lead them to God. And I just love you for that. And uh, somehow trying to communicate this to the Americans that you don't have to be dead spiritually. You can stand up and do what needs to be done for God, and that inspiration comes from you. Well, I've written a couple of books about this subject of technology. Um, The Dark Side of Technology is about eight years old now, and it was the beginning of this journey when we saw these kids when I was asked to help. And we realized even nine years ago we had a terrible problem with pornography, we had a terrible problem in the church, but it it was hidden, and still is by and large. And so I wrote a book And it was a little rough going at first because um, of a chapter in here on pornography. Now, people loved the book. I was meeting with publishers on this one, and they said, Oh, we love this. We're going to make our kids do everything you say, and we're going to make changes. But that chapter on pornography, you really need to back off. And my response was, uh, Well, whatever it is you've been doing to try to solve the problem, pardon my grammar, it ain't working. It's getting worser. You ain't that smart. So why don't we try the truth? Amen? So I walked away and published it. book did well. And then I wrote this one. But I want to explain something to you before I get started. This is digital cocaine. This is what Carte Blanche did a big special on. And that, uh, the publisher here, uh, I'm published here with Christian Art Media, which is Coom. They, They looked at that cover and they're like, oh, that's confronting. And so the graphic designers sent me a alternatives, but it had already done well in America, and so my response very politely was, well, it, it ain't broke. I don't need to fix it. <laughs> it's selling well. <laughs> well, why would I want to? But I know what they're saying, you know, that you look at that and you go, oh, it's confronting. Uh, but the problem is it's the truth. So you look at this 13-year-old, and he's snorting zeros and ones, looks like Coke. But let me tell you where I'm coming from. Two things I want to say in preparation for this. God did not cause our paths to cross here for me to condemn you as parents. 
That's not the point. The point is we've all gotten caught up in this tsunami. I call it a tsunami of technology that has swept over us. No one intended for this to happen. So the first thing I want to say is when you look at the brain scans, the functional magnetic resonating imaging brain scans of people who are addicted to cocaine, and you look at the brain scans of people who are addicted to social media, pornography, video games, you cannot tell the difference in the addiction. So we have technology now that lets you see this. It's no longer a theory that you can be addicted to technology. It's a neural fact, and it's a chemical fact. Nobody set out to cause addiction in their children. So I'm not here to beat you up. Um, God brought me here to offer solutions and grace. So whatever happens from this point on, obviously it says in the scripture that you're not held accountable for the sins until you know that it's a sin. So from this point on, you just make up your mind that you're going to do whatever the Holy Spirit says, and you're good to go, even with the mistakes that you've made as parents, because there's no such thing as a perfect parent. So I'm here to extend the grace of God to you today with the truth. Is that a good word? So there's no condemnation in this, although it is scary. I don't need to hype uh, this message. It's already scary enough, but there's a DVD back there as well. This is a picture of me at a Microsoft school. Microsoft has mentoring schools where they test their emerging technology, hardware, and software. And this school has about 3,500 students. This is just a section of grade 8. And it, in the amphitheater, it goes all the way around. I was working with each grade. Now, why am I there? I'm certainly not there to help Microsoft do technology better. They pretty much got that down pat. Although I understand technology, I have a degree in all this, but... I'm there because of the unintended consequences. So each of these learners has a tablet similar. I'm using a Surface Pro 3, when I, and I go into Apple schools, and I have Macs for that. Mac people. <laughs> what I do is I, I'm digressing. I put the cover up. I boot. They see the little Apple light up. They go, <laughs> and And then I boot into Windows. <laughs> And they don't know. They think I'm so smart. Anyway, and then I'm thinking they're so dumb. But anyway, I go into Apple schools as well, and I do use Macs. I use both because I have to. But this is a Surface. And so what Microsoft and their modality and their uh, education system, they have the pen. I have the pen here somewhere. They have no textbooks, printed textbooks, all on the tablet. And what they do, everything that they do, their master history, science, they do it on the screen with a pen, and it gets screen captured, everything. So let's say they're doing their assignments at home. It gets screen captured, and as soon as the surface hits the school network, it uploads everything they did the night before in a central server, and then a teacher sits down with a webcam and their pen, and they watch them as they have done their homework the night before, and then they, with a webcam, take their pen with a different color and make the corrections, and then a light lights up on the learner's screen, they tap it, the teacher comes up on their screen, and every student gets individualized attention which is the goal of every school, is to be able to give as much individualized attention to the students. So they've tried to solve this with the technology. Does that make sense? So there have been all these unintended consequences. We have anxiety disorders. We have ADD, ADHD, lots of medication being doled out. And so things are happening that nobody meant for this to happen, but it's happening. Neuroscience has jumped in, and so I'm there to deal and help these learners, the students, and then the teachers and so forth to cope with this. 
So I go to school after school, that Microsoft school, that one was in Australia. It is in Australia. I'm getting ready to go back down there. That Microsoft uses Australia a lot. And uh, so I'm here in these uh, countries. This is an Apple school, very large schools. And then uh, because I'm a preacher, I preach. But the bottom line of what I do is lead kids to Jesus. And um, I am part of UNISA. And what basically happened in April, they brought me here to keynote at their biannual National Youth Research Conference where they released the previous two years' research targeted toward youth issues. And they did a lot of technology the past two years, so they brought me in. And then they asked me to stay on, and they had just, they have just formed a neuroscience department. So they asked me to have an ongoing relationship, a collaborative relationship with their Bureau of Market Research and Neuroscience Department, so I'm part of that. And uh, we're in the middle of three studies right now. I've written some modules for the researchers to go into about 8,000 learners around Johannesburg and Pretoria, and we're testing three things, drug use and abuse, bullying and cyberbullying, and pornography. And we're having to now study. They brought me in because of the severity of the porn issue particularly. We're in uncharted territory and we think now that the female usage of pornography now matches male usage. And so the girls, particularly the young girls, are highly addicted, and it, the numbers are really, really high. And so I, I'm, I'm hesitant to tell you what, those, what we think those numbers are, but they will be verified through the research once the research is finished, and then we'll publish them. Does that make sense? But it's very, very high. Not, not a week goes by that girls don't line up with equal number of boys confessing porn addiction to me. And so there are reasons for that. And so we have a serious problem. And there's no statistical difference between the immorality in the church as outside of the church. And so God, I relate well in both the secular, you know, with carte blanche and all this, and UNISA, and I relate very well to the church. So I'm kind of in this unique position to deal with it from both sides. And I want to take you on a little bit of a journey through the parable of the ten virgins without preaching the entire thing. I want to really just kind of fast forward and get to the end. Tonight what I want to do is make it more of a seminar instead of a sermon where I'll carry on with some more of the, the concepts of, of what's happening with the brain in particular and your children. And you'll understand some of you are going to look at these things that I present and you're going to go, that's my child. Thank God somebody's finally talking about this. I thought I was all by myself. I've lost my child to these games. Total personality change, etc., etc. But here's really the crux of the matter. There's this parable that Jesus gave us, and it's really about the second coming. It's about His return. And before He left, He gives us this parable in Matthew 25. And that, this is Corinthians, and I'll get back to this in just a minute. Getting a little bit ahead of myself here. But in Matthew 25, He says, Look, this is what it's going to, this is what it's going to be like until I get back. It's going, to, it's going to be very dark. And basically, you're, you are the lamp of God, and you must keep oil in this lamp and keep it burning, burning, burning. Anybody remember the little children's church song, Give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning? Well, that's where this comes from, but it's the parable of the ten virgins. So five of them were wise, five of them were not. And he gave all ten of them the same instruction. He said, you know, I'm going to come back and get you. You don't know when. But you've got to keep oil in your lamps and keep them trimmed. And this oil obviously represents the Holy Spirit and the constant flow, he's telling us, because the way is going to be dark, and then eventually the bridegroom will come to get you. 
And so five of them did exactly what they were instructed to do. Five did not. And the journey goes on, how they ended up falling asleep. I mean, it was a long time in coming. This whole thing was, it was very dark. And it finally came time for the bridegroom when he finally showed up. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. All ten of the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish ones who didn't have enough oil said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. And the wise ones said a very politically incorrect, unloving, harsh, by the way, we Christians, modern Christians judge things with political correctness. They said a very politically incorrect thing. They said no. Just flat out said no. They didn't use any seeker-friendly, you know, verbiage or nothing. They just said no. You see, this is serious. Because if I give you my oil, obviously what he's saying, I can't give you my God. You've got to get God for yourself. That I mean, that's the point of the whole thing. But, but if I, if in their mind, if I give you my oil, then I won't have enough. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom showed up. And, and if you know anything about the Jewish culture, these poor brides in the Jewish culture, they don't know when this dunderhead is going to show up. And so they have to stay ready all the time. And that's where this comes from with the Jewish culture. And he's telling us through this, stay ready, stay ready. Don't let your guard down. Keep the oil. Keep it going. Keep it going. And the virgins who were ready, they went into the wedding banquet. That's heaven. And then the door was shut. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went into the wedding banquet. The door was shut. Later the others also came and said, they addressed him correctly because they all started off knowing him. Lord, Lord. They knew exactly who he was. Open the door for us. And Jesus wouldn't open the door. And here's why. It wasn't because they didn't work. He said, I don't know you. I don't have intimacy with you. We're not saved through our works. There's nothing that you and I can do that will cause him to love us anymore. You should thank God for that. That's been settled. Now the only thing he wants is relationship and intimacy with us. Sins and all. Just walk with me, he says, and let me purge you over a lifetime. If he dealt with us with every sin all that we commit and have in our hearts at one time, we would explode. But he's, he's merciful, he's patient, slow to anger, full of mercy. Can you say thank you, Jesus? He just wants relationship. And so five of them who started off knowing him didn't make it into heaven because they lost the oil, the constant flow. I want to show you my desk. I have two that look like this in my house. I don't know if you've ever heard of an organization called Focus on the Family. I produced our local division of Focus on the Family's television show in my house. I have a studio. That's the control desk for a full-on studio. I lost my intimacy with God thinking, well, my job requires those computers. And I was under the misnomer, well, my brain will be okay because I'm not looking at porn and I'm not playing video games. I'm doing God stuff. So I'm okay. So I would stay up 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and my precious wife would yell down, honey, 
Uh, it's 10 o'clock, time for bed. Okay, five more minutes. That sounds like kids who game, doesn't it? Because um, the same effect was happening in my brain. And she would say, honey, it's, it, it's 10.30, we should go to bed. Okay, babe, I'll be right there. And eventually, she would just go to bed. And I would stay at that desk, not doing anything immoral. But I got addicted. And I didn't understand why. I was serving God. Now, if I, as someone who's not doing video games and porn, and yet the statistics are at least 77% of the men in the Christian church are struggling with porn, how late are they staying up? And, and the gaming is even higher than that. And their brains are on overload. Mine was. And that's what I began to study, the brain. What is going on inside of the brain? Now, I want to give you an illustration. This is an ad from 1946. Henny gave this to me. He said he remembered it well. Just kidding. Advertising a brand of cigarettes called Camels. And it says, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Full-on print ads ran around the world. Many, many ads like this from various cigarette companies. Tobacco industry, very clever. In this case, they also had a concurrent television commercial that ran. Watch this. You know, if you were to follow a busy doctor as he makes his daily round of calls, you would find yourself having a mighty busy time keeping up with him. Time out for many men of medicine usually means just long enough to enjoy a cigarette. And because they know what a pleasure it is to smoke a mild, good-tasting cigarette, they're particular about the brand they choose. In a repeated national survey, Doctors in all branches of medicine, doctors in all parts of the country were asked, what cigarette do you smoke, doctor? Once again, the brand named most was Camel. Yes, according to this repeated nationwide survey, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Why not change to Camels for the next 30 days and see what a difference it makes in your smoking enjoyment? See how Camels agree with your throat. See how mild and good-tasting a cigarette can be. My, how times have changed. There was a movie made about this. You know who Russell Crowe is. He starred in a movie called The Insider. You should get it and watch it on a screen. It would be fine. But it's all about the tobacco industry in this whole era because soon after this, after they'd hired the doctors, brilliant marketing, if we see doctors doing something, we're obviously going to think it's safe, so we would do it. All these cigarettes were sold. didn't take long before emphysema, cancers, all this started to occur, and so people started to question, is there a correlation between all this smoking and these cancers? And the tobacco industry said, absolutely no scientific evidence whatsoever. No, absolutely. Except there's a chimney right in your mouth going straight into your lungs, but they were, no, it's the pollution from the factories. And this kept happening and kept happening and kept happening. And finally, one of the tobacco industry executives by the name of Jeffrey Wigand grew a conscience. And through some prodding, he went on a television show that's similar to carte blanche called 60 Minutes. Some of you will know what that is. And he produced documentation that revealed that the research had been done by the tobacco industry and they knew all along. A lot of court cases came about, and that's why you don't see cigarette advertising anymore. It's been banned around the world. Doctors are trying to get us to stop smoking. 
But the addiction had set in around the world, and lots of money had been made. In America, we play rugby here. We have gridiron or NFL, and we have the world champions, and we're the only country that participates. We're an amazing bunch of people in America, aren't we? (laughs) The American way. A lot of people started to have dementia. There was a cluster of NFL players started to have dementia, Alzheimer's. Many turned violent. Many began to beat their wives, and then they would commit suicide. It was a large cluster. And so the question began to be asked, is there a correlation between these concussions from smashing the helmets and the brain hitting the inside of the skull and all this dementia. And the doctors within the NFL were saying absolutely no correlation whatsoever. Then one of the Pittsburgh Steelers committed suicide and a forensic pathologist from Nigeria, a brilliant man by the name of Dr. Bennett Amalu, happened to be in Pittsburgh. And he examined the brain of this guy and he discovered an unusual protein in deep in the brain that can only be caused by concussions. Now we have CTE, it's called. And, and, and it just caused this firestorm within the NFL because of all the money that's being made. And then it came out that the NFL knew all along. Nothing like the truth. The parallel that I'm trying to draw for you by dragging this out is to tell you this. The technology industry with these devices works on addiction, literal chemical addiction, and we know it. It's it's not a secret. Now, do you think I would go on carte blanche and make these claims knowing they're either going to help me or ruin me? Do you know that? Do you know what it's like when they show up? You don't know if you're going to be made, you know, really into this laughing stock, or if they're going to help you. But I, I gave them the science, worked with them, they went and vetted everything, and this wonderful show came out. And I'm trying to help people. Let me walk you through what has neuroscientists very afraid. It's a condition as a result of the overuse of technology that used to only exist in three groups of people. It's called anhedonia, and in the middle of that word is hedon, that we get our modern word hedonism, the constant pursuit of pleasure. And this scientist and clinical psychologist by the name of Dr. Archibald Hart, he is a South African, um, and his daughter uh, lives near me in America. She teaches at America's largest Christian university called Liberty University. We live near there. I met with her not long ago, and she has opened America's first digital wellness center on a university campus, trying to set the stage to help other people around our nation. And, of course, I want to take it globally because I go around the world. Uh, That's the dream. Would you pray for us about that? He's written this book, Dr. Archibald Hart has called Thrilled to Death, cleverly subtitled, How the Endless Pursuit of Pleasure is Leaving Us Numb. This anhedonic condition I'm going to describe to you is only found in schizophrenics, people with major depressive disorders, and severe drug addicts. And now it is epidemic in children. Now, parents... Hear my heart, I'm not condemning you, but I want you to hear me. It's epidemic in children whose parents use these devices as babysitters. Now, the reason you use these as babysitters is because they work 100% of the time, and they're cheap. 
Now, I want you to be very honest, because honesty, unless you're honest, I cannot help you. God cannot help any of us unless we are honest. Can you say amen? How many of you parents will agree that when you hand this to the young person, it soothes them? You agree? But here's the problem. What happens when it comes time to take it away? Say, give me some adjectives to describe what happens. Tantrums. Like, yeah. That is a sign of a neurological change that has taken place in the neural circuitry and the chemical structure on the inside of the brain, in an underdeveloped brain. And when you study this, it's frightening. Now, it's not irreversible. I'm not here to beat you down. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not exaggerating. I wasn't exaggerating to carte blanche. If I were, they would ruin me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Why would I bring this up? It's because I love you. I I, I have a call in my life to the body of Christ and to the world. I'm an evangelist, credentialed, and I actually love these people with God's love. So let's describe addiction, whether it's to heroin, cocaine, or screens. Let me show you visually what's happening. Deep in the middle of the brain, not on the surface, but in the middle, in the nucleus, is an area called the nucleus accumbens, and it's surrounded by the reward circuit. When I played for you the 911 call from Hillbilly Country, what I actually caused was a release of a neurotransmitter called dopamine, and it flooded into your nucleus accumbens or your pleasure center, and it stimulated you and it caused you to laugh. And there's nothing wrong with that. The Scripture says laughter is like a medicine. Problem is when we get too much dopamine. Do you see that wall that's formed? That wall forms, it's called the dopamine barrier. When we get too much dopamine, whether it comes through alcohol, drugs, screens, whatever, and the wall is trying to protect the brain by pushing out the excessive amounts of dopamine. And we don't like to be cut off from the feel-good feelings. So we do the activity longer, harder, and more intensely to overcome the resistance that's building up that's trying to protect the brain. And that's what addiction is. That constant repetitive, got to do it longer, harder, more intensely to overcome the resistance Catch-22 is you can overcome the wall for a while, but the wall gets bigger because it's just going to keep trying to protect itself. Does that make sense? That's what addiction is. And it works, as it turns out, with anything. The only difference between cocaine and a screen is the delivery mechanism. Primarily with cocaine, unless it's crack, if it's just straight coke, You snort powder up your nose. It goes into the bloodstream. Cocaine is an extreme stimulant, which means extreme quantities of dopamine gets released, stimulating the brain. Dopamine is extremely addictive, and that's what you get addicted to. Make sense? Turns out with screens, when you look at the screen, the stimulation coming off of that screen, particularly with pornography and video games and social media, goes straight into the eyes and straight into the occipital lobes in the back of your head that controls your eyes. So it goes straight into the brain, stimulates it, and guess what gets released? Large quantities of dopamine. That's why addiction is addiction. That's why children get hijacked quicker than adults because their brains are fragile. That's why the soothing of the device works. That's what's happening. So they're mesmerized. They're not learning. Parents will, well-meaning parents will say to me, but I only let them play education games. 
And I know what you mean. You, you, have, you believe you're doing them good, sincerely, not condemning you. I'm here to tell you they're not learning. They're being mesmerized chemically. You have a cognitive breakdown, not enhancement. What I mean by that is the attention span gets shorter. We call it ADD, ADHD, and other similar attention deficit disorders. The retention, which is going this way in the brain, where you remember what you learn, gets more shallow. It doesn't go deep, and it doesn't go longer. Devices cause the opposite effect when misused and overused, and in a child, they have no tolerance. So let me describe to you this anhedonic effect, which is, which is the worry around the world with neuroscientists and children and with other addicts, like porn addicts and social media addicts. The next step beyond addiction is when the wall just gets so tall, so strong, that it becomes nearly impossible to generate enough dopamine to overcome that resistance. And when that happens, the area of your brain where you feel and drive pleasure, it burns out. Or burnout. Some of you in business have experienced it. It happens with, in the digital domain as well. So now you've got a personality change, and the type of personality change is you're bored with everything. And the reason children are bored with everything except extreme measures is because there's a wall in there. Some of you know exactly where I'm... The sad part is you go to visit grandmother and grandma, and one of the saddest things I hear around the world, grandparents will say, I'm around my grandchildren all the time, but I don't know them. Because when they come to visit me, they hug me, but then they go straight off into the room with their devices. Grandma's boring, devices are stimulating, and I don't mean that to be funny. The tragedy is the thing that God, the blessing that God designed for the elders to pass things down to us has been broken because children find grandma boring, and grandma should be the love of their life. My grandparents raised me when my parents divorced. Godly grandparents. I am a reflection right now of what you see of, of grandparents. And when my dad didn't show up at any of my football, baseball, basketball games and all that, granddad was there. You understand? My, my father drank himself to death. I preached his funeral a year and a half ago. But it was my grandparents that prayed me through all that stuff. I learned more sitting at their kitchen table about God in the Bible than I ever did in Bible college and seminary, and that's how it should be. It got passed down to me. So I don't think it's funny that the kids find grandmother boring. I think it's tragic. So this anhedonic stage exists at some level in children. It's epidemic, provable, through the neuroscience, and neuroscientists don't know the long-term effect in children because their brains are underdeveloped and very fragile. So it's been hijacked. Now, all this is neuroscience. Been written about for years. Recently discovered that the same mechanism works with screens. This next part is spiritual. I can't prove it. But I think you'll agree. Dr. Archibald Hart, who is also a Christian, said, logically, well, let me back up a minute. Did you enjoy worship this morning? Did you feel the presence of God this morning? 
Well, that's the area of the brain where you derive pleasure. So if you enjoyed it this morning, that's where it takes place. So if you have a wall in there, you're going to drown out the voice of God. And that's exactly what's happened around the world. If there ever was a conspiracy from the devil to drown out the voice of God, it would be to flood the earth suddenly with these things and just have them do too much. You'll create an anhedonic effect and God becomes boring. Tonight I'll show you video footage of what happens in church after church after church after church. Beth will meander around the church with a big zoom lens that I have on a camera, and she will videotape people who, if you were to ask them, why did you bring your phone, they will say, well, my Bible app is on here. But then as a researcher, I want to know what they're actually doing. And so she's got footage of what they're actually doing, and we'll show it to you tonight. It's not God stuff, because the preacher has become boring. And I want to go over with you tonight why your children are so bored with their assignments and why they listen to music while they study and what they're doing to cope with this and why their grades are going down. Still love me? I love you as well. You know, this intimacy thing. I really, I've had it cut off because I had anhedonia and it's been healed, sort of. (laughs) I love Jesus, don't you? And I don't want anything to cut off. I pal around with God. No, I don't, look, I don't treat him like I do humans or, you know, where I give him like a punch or anything like that. But I'm just, because if he kicked me, I'd go across the universe. But... But but really, I, I just I want everybody to just, and when I minister to kids, just understand how much He loves us and how much He wants to pal around with us, and how much He wants to hold us and soothe us and, and and walk with us into the coffee shop or wherever we're going. And 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 I believe I just constantly the Bible says pray without ceasing, and I just have this constant awareness of Him. And and Beth and I, for example, this intimacy thing. Beth and I, we we like you. We like to eat too much, and Americans do. Every time I go into Walmart, I realize people do not get addicted to exercise too often. Um, anyway, we go into this Pizza Hut, and we go to the buffet for obvious reasons. It's a trough; you get all you want. And so we're there, and and I'm I'm like. We're standing there, and I'm looking at the food intensely, because I don't know how you are. I'm very impatient, and I'm thinking things like, would you hurry up? Don't take that piece. I wanted that. And so while I was standing there acting patient, but internally going, eh, I just reach over, and I grab her, and I'm holding her close, and I'm rubbing her neck and rubbing her back. And when I looked, it wasn't Beth. (laughs) And I went, ha! I said, ma'am, I am so sorry. I was not sexually harassing you. And this elderly woman looked at me. She goes, it's okay, honey. I was enjoying it. (laughs) And I'm picturing the Lord standing. I'm serious. I'm picturing the Lord going, (laughs) that's my boy. (laughs) That's how he feels about it. He's my father. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I don't want that cut off. Went back to the table. It's like, what's the matter with you? Like, oh. Just gave an old woman a massage. But she liked it. Intimacy. 
deriving pleasure. Now, I want to describe one of the maladies of our time amongst young people. You see this crowd? This is in Brisbane. There's 2,200 kids in this school, and we had to do them in two lots. There's 1,100 here, 1,100 the next batch, but this happens in, in South Africa. It happens in America. It'll happen everywhere around the world. I'll say this. How many of you, and I'll say to these learners, I am not referring to you, but how many of you know someone else who self-harms, cuts themselves primarily? 70% of the hands go up. In the inner city of Johannesburg, I did a school. I'm not going to name it. It was 100%. And there were 1,100 students crammed in that auditorium. And in Tasmania, of all places, the rural areas. You know what Tasmania is? I could tell you jokes right now, but I'm resisting temptation. I'll tell you some tonight. Anyway, (laughs) in the rural areas, it's worse because they have the Internet now. And they have, they're very lonely, they're cut off, and so they have more time with screens. You would think, oh, Bush doesn't have these problems, but they do. So what's going on? A girl comes to me, just as an anecdotal, they come to me every week. A girl came to me last two weeks ago in Afrikaans school. She had designer everything. She's a pretty girl, 16 or 17, designer glasses, the teeth were all polished and white. She was a very cute girl. She came right up to me and she goes, well, my porn addiction is hentai and this is the subgenre I like and I'm addicted. And then she pulled up her sleeves and there were cuts all up her arm, all down her back, all down her legs. It was all hidden. And that's what I'm talking about. It's epidemic, 70%. It's off the charts. What's going on? It's hidden for one thing. But there's a the top three reasons that they harm themselves, is it, it, it can be burning, it can be breaking of bones, picking at wounds, not allowing them to heal, but primarily it's cutting. Why do they do it? Top three reasons. One, the home is in chaos, divorce, swearing, arguing, and that has chemical changes in them of stress, cortisol, and all this stuff gets released, and so they feel out of control. Secondly is abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, all of the types of abuse, physical abuse, and so that further compounds the problem. And thirdly, they're in an anhedonic state because they all have devices in their bedroom, so they've got a wall. So if you ask a child, for example, why do you cut? Now, it's a very bizarre thing if you don't do it, but if you ask them why do you do it, they will say something like this. It makes me feel. They're not lying to you. Now do you get the connection between anhedonia and them saying it makes me feel? Now, they're not talking about the sensation of the blade cutting. They're talking about the emotional response. They're not talking about the physical pain. They're talking about the emotional feeling. They will also say something like this. It makes me feel in control. And they're not lying to you. And then lastly, they will say, it makes me feel calm or peaceful. So let me explain what's happening. They've learned to self-harm. It's a coping mechanism amongst these learners, amongst themselves. And they keep it hidden very well. They don't tell on each other. And so if you ask them, why do you do it? They'll say, it makes me feel peaceful. Here's what they're describing. They've got an anhedonic wall in their brain that's keeping the dopamine out. Now what they're doing is they're injuring themselves so that the brain will release endorphins. If any of you exercise, that feeling that you get of peace and calm 
about an hour after you've exercised are the release of the endorphins. Same thing happens when you injure yourself, whether it be accidentally or on purpose, those endorphins get released and it's the brain trying to help you cope with the pain. And so when they, the, the endorphins have a calming opiate effect. So when you ask them, why do you do this? And they say, it makes me feel calm. They're not lying to you. Problem is the endorphins are addictive. And so a barrier starts to form. And so in order to continuously feel the calmness, what do you have to continuously do? Cut. Chemicals dissipate. You have to cut more. And then eventually what will happen is a wall gets big. That wall gets big against that. And so then they start to cut down into the tissue. I was being interviewed on ABC in in Australia and uh, I was listening to some of the podcasts after that. They'd interviewed this one girl, and hers was so bad, she was cutting to the bone. Just to generate large enough quantities to get over the wall. Does that make sense? So what I do is I go in, and I will tell these children, listen, I get why you're doing it, and I explain to them physiologically why they do it, tell them I love them, and they respond to me. But then I'll tell them, listen, I know why you're searching for peace. I get that. I want to introduce you to a method of getting peace that will last forever and you will not damage yourself. And his name is Jesus. And he is the Prince of Peace. And he loves you. May I introduce him to you? So we've got footage after footage after footage of me praying with children, leading them to Christ. That, that's what I'm doing with neuroscience and nerd stuff. <laughs> But we have an epidemic of this stuff. So let me give you just a couple more things, and then we'll continue tonight. Are you interested still? You look like you are. How can a hillbilly learn, learn me all this stuff? We were at lunch in between seminars, because I do speak at length on this and long, day-long stuff, because I have a whole book worth of this stuff. But I videotaped something. Uh, Beth is sitting across from me. We're in the restaurant, and I pulled out my phone because I'm not against phones, and I started recording. And if you ever meet these people, don't tell them I did this because I've been showing them all over the world. But we all see this. About a 13-year-old with his head buried in a screen. And when I pan over, his millennial mother, same way. Now, they stayed that way the entire hour. Food came. They didn't acknowledge the waitress. They just continued to eat with their head down. This is what we're talking about. We all see it, but now we ignore it because it's become part of culture. And what the neuroscience is saying, best you start paying attention to this again because the reward circuit has been hijacked. Anhedonia has set in. Cutting is happening. And on and on this goes. And so I've written this book about this. But let me show you again where I get this from. Uh, This is just one article of many. Internet addiction changes brains similar to what? Cocaine. So they've scanned the brains of the gamers, the IED, Internet Addiction Disorder. Social media, brain scans show how Facebook and cocaine addictions are the same. Now, I'm not against social media. I have a Facebook page. I do. I'm not against it. I'm against addiction to it. There's a difference. And if I ever get addicted, I need to put that aside until I'm unaddicted. My favorite narcissistic picture of myself is of me wearing a t-shirt that says, I love animals. They're delicious. (laughs) 
Well, they are. You know where the word vegetarian came from. It's an old Native American term that means bad hunter. Point is, I like to go in there and stir up the environmentalists too and the animal rights people. They annoy me because I hunt and eat meat. Some of you are looking at me like, you should try meat. It's good. Just try it. You may have a conversion. I keynoted in South Korea at Global Youth Forum, most wired nation on the planet. The research that we have, a lot of it, thankfully, comes from them because they're doing something about it. And I'm just going to give you a teaser for tonight, and I'm about finished. These children are gaming. They're reclined in their chairs. They have their cushions because this is built on levels, and they're going to be there for a long time. This headline says, A Surge in Digital Dementia. This is Alzheimer's, not in the elderly, but in children. Cognitive abilities are breaking down. I'm going to ask for your prayers on Tuesday. I will address SAPA, the South African Principals Association. And they're going to call a special meeting for me to have all the time that I need with them. Johannesburg is about to unleash iPads across your city. And I'm probably going to be on the firing line. I've already been asked to keynote next year at the digital symposium where the schools all gather to buy the technology. I feel like I'm a big target. But God keeps plopping me down in places. God does this. Why? Because He loves these children and He is on a digital rescue mission trying to protect children because He loves them. Talk more about what's going on in the brain with this tonight. So, this is why I do what I do. Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. Sorry, we're going to get into the brain and the bullying tonight. What we've ended up doing is screening without ceasing. That's intimacy. Deep, deep in affections, emotions. And God is saying, I miss my people. Not because he's angry at you, he misses us. We've all fallen into this. You saw my desk. I'm not mad at anyone. I just fell into it probably quicker than you and sooner than you. And I've gotten through this. And now I'm on a mission to help people restore their intimacy and get the oil back in their lamp with God instead of the culture. Listen to me carefully. All around the world, our children in Christian churches, Christian schools, and youth groups are not being discipled by Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are being discipled by Lady Gaga and people of her ilk. That's the truth. Kid came up to me two weeks ago, and he was very scared. I met him two years ago in an Afrikaans school. Bright kid. IQ really high. Got a great future if he wants it. But he came to me and he said, two years ago, I'm addicted to porn confessed it, hugged him, told him I was proud of him, prayed with him, gave him some instruction, saw him again two years later, which is a couple weeks ago. 
And he kept mentioning, he kept saying, look, I fell back into it. I fell back into the porn. And, and he kept mentioning homosexual porn. And um, finally I looked at him, and I was relating this to the men last night. So men, bear with me on this. I'm going to say it again. I looked at him and I said, look, are you gay? Okay, you can tell me. I will still love you. And he goes, no, actually I'm not. He said, I'm straight, but what you said is true. After a while, the... The, the porn, the straight didn't work, and I, the, apparently this wall happened, so I had to go to more vile stuff, and I started looking at homosexual porn, and he, and he just kept trying to say, and I said, so now you're lusting after boys. He goes, yes. And he said, am I gay? And I said, I don't know. But what I can tell you, you now have brain ruts. And what a brain rut is, it's the latest thing you've been looking at. Your brain has wired toward homosexual porn now, so you're going to continue to lust after boys. And what's going to happen, after a while, that's going to wear out, and you're going to go to animals. You're going to go to any number of things that I won't say beyond that. And even though you don't like it, that's what you're going to be wired to do. It's called neuroplasticity. This is, this is not the Christian part yet. This is the secular part. I haven't gotten to the Christian bit. Christian bit is it's a sin. Well, it is. It's a horrible sin. But their brain changes take place. And we have LGBTQ all over the world. And their primary vehicle, whether it's on purpose or whether it's the devil or a combination of both, is porn. So it's fueling it. So I'll leave you with this this morning. See those three dots? You have a Facebook page, and you know what it's like to want to just grab it and quickly, the moment that thing beeps, you want to push those buttons, don't you? If I'm hearing Jesus, Jesus is saying that impulsive thing that when you hear the notification, you see those red dots, you want to quickly see. Jesus is saying, I wish my people felt that way about me. Like you, I'm very busy. Gallivanting all over the world. Beth and I have devotions, though. We pray regularly. I'm not, I'm not saying we're super spiritual because we struggle. I mean, some mornings I get up and my brain is already halfway through the day. Pastor, you ever had that happen? But you try to have devotions because that's what we're supposed to do and you want to enjoy it. But there are these mornings, some mornings, where you sit down with your cup of coffee and you open your Bible and all of a sudden... All of a sudden, what we felt during worship last night and what we felt this morning comes in your living room and you look at those words and they're not just words. They start to jump off that page. They start to go deep in your spirit and you find yourself saying things like, Oh, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Bless your name. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this. This is exactly what I needed right now. And it's though it's as though Jesus has just shown up with his cup of coffee and put his arms right around you. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. We have we have a generation of children around the world who are in church, who are in youth group, who know absolutely nothing of what I just described to you because of a phone. And that's what God is saying. It's become an idol. I never said throw it away. It has a potential good use, unlike Coke. 
I want to leave you with this. Start by taking this out of the bedroom. Your bedroom and your children. And every single device. Just take it out. And tonight we'll talk about what balance is. Everybody says, yes, we need balance. Then I'll say, well, what is balance? I'll tell you what balance is from a brain perspective. Can we pray? Now bow your heads. Close your eyes. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I told you I did not come here to bring condemnation. I come to bring healing. We've all fallen into this, including me. Father, bless my brothers and my sisters here today, my family. Guard them from condemnation. God, I pray that you'll not allow anyone to be condemned today. Lord, remind them of what good news is all about. It's called redemption. It's called grace. It's called turning around and walking in a direction toward God and God helping us even when we've sinned, when we've made mistakes. As a parent, if you are wide open to God and you're saying, you know what, I, I, I've been part of this problem. I, I, I'm addicted myself or I suspect that I am and I've even bought devices. You've got all those emotions going through you. You're saying, I need to surrender all of this digital stuff to God in my home and I need wisdom to know what to do about it because I don't want to forfeit the voice of God in my home. With your eyes closed, heads bowed, I'm not going to call you out. Would you just raise your hand and surrender to God right now? Thank you. Thank you. Proud of you. Yes. Just, just lift it up. Everybody close your eyes, please. Let people have some privacy with them and God. Some of you, in that moment, you begin to justify why it's okay for you or you'll take care of this privately later. You need to get your hand up right now. So you, I'm going to invite you. You put your hand up. If you started to justify why you're okay with it, but really inside, you know you're not. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now you can all put your hands down, okay? That 70% of the hands went up for one thing or another. I'm joining you today. You saw my desk. I have to keep a constant guard on this. Father, bless my family here today with humility because, Lord, now there's only one way to go, and that's up. It's those with pride that you chop down, but those who humble themselves, you lift them up. Lift them up today. Don't let them walk out of here condemned or scared that they've done irreparable damage. Just help them to take this information from this morning and tonight and not just be a hearer of the Word, but to be a doer of the Word and then let healing come. Let the anhedonic walls just come down in every home. Cause the intimacies to be restored and help us. In Jesus' name we ask these things. God's people said, God bless you guys. Love you. Thank you.